Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Regions believes that being a bank means serving the community. Regions is shining the light on local food banks as they feed our neighbors in need. See how you can help at regions.com slash food bank. The Regions branches are open by drive through or lobby appointment only. Bank safely and securely from almost anywhere with Regions Online banking or mobile banking. Data rates may apply. Regions Bank. Member FDIC. The Duly Noted Podcast is brought to you by Vistar Credit Union. We never forget that it's your money. And ABC Fine Wine and Spirits. Always be celebrating. This is the Duly Noted Podcast. Everything Florida Gators with your host, Pat Dooley. Okay, and welcome into another edition of the Duly Noted Podcast. We will, uh, we're going to try to get through this one. I'm a little under the weather. In fact, maybe a lot under the weather. And it's not COVID. I just have some major sinus problems. Uh, we'll be joined a little bit later by Scott Strickland. Look forward to that. Um, the athletic director at the University of Florida. And, of course, um, it has been an interesting time since I last spoke to you. Now, now I will say this. I got a lot of criticism for some things I said that people feel like are too much. I'm talking too much about COVID. I'm talking too much about politics. And uh, I, I hear those things. And I, and I, I you know, I, it doesn't mean I'm going to stop doing them. It just means I'm going to think about it a little bit more. So I don't think I'll be talking at all about, uh, other than when I'm talking to Scott Strickland, about COVID. Because we, we, we have seen a world of sports that seems like it's closer to being full now the stands aren't as we all know but but football is back you know we just saw the tour championship in golf we just saw that we're seeing these nba playoffs we know what's coming up this week which is going to be incredible and we'll talk about that as well um now the stands aren't full the announcers are sometimes in different houses it's just the way it is but at least we're getting that distraction and uh, a, a football. We're, we're getting excited. We're getting fired up about what's going to happen. Don't forget, uh, the ACC is coming back this week, the SEC next week. It's about to get serious. We just hope that, it, that you know, everything will go good. And, and I'm, I'm fairly optimistic that it will because more than anything, uh, they've shown that it's, you know, playing football is not the problem. We saw – now, I will say this, though. I think you are seeing early in some of these games that some teams maybe didn't prepare as well. Maybe they didn't take it as seriously. Maybe, and I'm not saying coaches didn't. Maybe the players are like, I'm. I don't know whether I want to opt out or not. Um, it, it, I don't think that's the case with Navy. Navy last night was awful. I think Navy, and I have a theory on. Army and Navy, okay? And that is, if that is, if there's a two-touchdown difference in the game, the game is over. Because Army and Navy, they can't come back on anybody, and if they get ahead of you, they're going to run you crazy. Army did that. Army had a, 
a, a drive that was 12 minutes and 26 seconds and just pretty much put that game away to win their first game. But Navy, last night, once they fell behind, you just felt like this game, there's no point in even watching it. Um, although I will say this, you know, our first poll, we have to, not the first poll, but the second poll, the first poll that will not include the other conferences, we have to uh, give to AP on Sunday of, of this week. I'm trying to figure out what to do with BYU. They were impressive. BYU looked at like a team that came out there and just played its butts off and was ready to play and had studied Navy for uh, three months and, and knew everything they were going to do. Now, Navy was playing with a rookie quarterback, and that was part of it. But, um, again, I'm not going to break down that game. But, man, that was – that's and I think you're going to see that in the first week of the season. I think it will change – like BYU's second game, um, you know, may be a different story. I don't even know who they play the second game. I think they have Army in their third game, though, uh, which is the same kind of offense. So they're, they're, they could be set. We could be sitting there going, hey, you know what, BYU, they only have an eight-game season. So, But BYU could – can you imagine a situation where BYU playing eight games? Now, they don't play anybody great, nobody that – I, I, I think they'll go eight no. There's a real good chance, but where will they? Where will you rank them? I don't know. I get that's something I got to think about uh, going forward. Um, so we did have um, some some football to watch. I I wouldn't say much of it was great, and this is what we we fear. But but let's not forget who we were watching. You know, we weren't exactly watching Alabama versus LSU. Okay. We were watching teams that normally we wouldn't have watched. We watched them because they were on. We watched them because nobody else was on. This week it'll change a little bit. We get a little bit more of it. We get a Thursday night game that I'll watch. I'll have the two TVs going again. UAB in Miami. NFL on the other channel. feel pretty good about that. I will have to be coming back from a funeral, which I, I'm not going to be enjoying at all. Obviously, nobody likes, uh, a, uh, you know, when somebody's passed away. And, of course, I talked about this last week. Karen's brother uh, passed away. And so I'll be coming back that night, and that will get me out of a bad mood, okay? Let's just put it that way, from from feeling so sad about it. I, uh, But I do look forward to that. I mean, no, look, I think – I think Miami will beat UAB fairly easily, but that's what I thought when they played Florida International last year. I thought Miami would win. I, I said, why am I even going to watch this game? And next thing you know, FIU, baby. That was that game. I didn't buy a T-shirt. I should have bought a T-shirt that day. That would have been worthwhile. I will, I will say this. I'll buy a UAB T-shirt if they beat Miami and knock off all these dreams that – because that's the thing. Miami's talking big again. And this is what Miami does. Miami gets in that situation where they think they're going to be good. Nothing they've done has shown they're going to be good. But they think they're going to be good. Therefore, they must be good. And it doesn't work like that. Maybe Derek King is really that good. Maybe he's such a difference maker. Um, they've got some really good players. I have no doubt about it that they have good players. They made some changes in the coaching staff. 
Let's see it. See what you got. And again, it's UAB. UAB, Bill Clark's doing a hell of a job there. Okay. we got to, uh, That's all I'm going to talk about on that until I get to the spreads um, for this weekend. And obviously people want to hear about the Gators. So we'll take a break. We'll come back and we'll talk about the Gators when we return here on the Duly Noted Podcast at Gatorsports.com. If you're a Gator fan who believes that more convenience is better, join ViStar and bank any way you want, at a branch, on a mobile device, or at one of more than 20,000 fee-free ATMs across North America. We believe that people have better things to do with their time. At ViStar, we never forget that it's your money. Proud partner of the Florida Gators. All loans subject to approval, insured by NCUA. Bring game day tailgates home this season after a stop at ABC Fine Wine and Spirits. Stock up your huddle with beer, hard seltzers, your favorite wine, or something sparkling. ABC is Florida family-owned and has been getting Gator fans ready for kickoff since 1936. Head inside one of their 125 stores around the state or try their curbside service by ordering online at abcfws.com. ABC Access loyalty members can save $10 on wine, 10% on beer and hard seltzers, and earn points toward $5 coupons. ABC, always be celebrating. All right, as I said, uh, this may be a little shorter than normal because I'm I'm really hurting a little bit, but we'll we'll get through it. The situation with Florida again is it's it's the same thing we talked about before. Look, all we can hear is what the coaches are telling us, what the players are telling us. It all sounds very positive. Um, I have I don't doubt that it is positive. What we're seeing is a kind of a change in the tide. I think Jamie Newman opting out at Georgia. Now people are going. Well, you know. I was going to pick Georgia to win the East, and now I'm thinking about picking Florida. And the bottom line is it doesn't matter who we pick, okay? Nobody cares. I mean, we care, and people will, will respond to it, but the players don't give a rat's behind who you pick. Um, but, you know, we're doing, we're doing our own uh, kind of SEC media days in our chain, and, and we're working on that right now. But um, – I think I had Georgia ahead of Florida in my polls. I does, Would I move Florida ahead of Georgia just because Jamie Newman opted out? And then you hear that nobody's kind of separated themselves behind him, so they aren't even sure who their quarterback's going to be. And there's a lot of people who don't think it's going to be JT Daniels, and I'm like, yeah, maybe, maybe I'm going to go ahead and pick Florida. Um I think it's a big factor. I think as we're watching some of these games in college football around the country, now these are different level of teams, but when we watch them, we see veteran quarterbacks getting it done, quarterbacks who know the system getting it done. I think you'll you'll see that this weekend with ACC games being played, that if you've got a quarterback, you know, I don't know that it works for, say, FSU with James Blackman, a quarterback, but he's in a, in a totally new systems, but we'll see how that works. He is a veteran. Um, but for Florida, it just seems like, you know, the more I think about it, the more positive I feel. 
about the way uh, this team is going to handle itself. Now, I will tell you this. I am one of the people that thinks if you're overlooking this opening game with Ole Miss, at Ole Miss, look, I know there ain't going to be much of a crowd there. I know there's not going to be any Grove. Well, the Grove will still be there. There just won't be anybody in it. I know it's going to be a different atmosphere. I don't know how they handle it. Um, You know, Steve Spurrier said it best that when he was coaching, he would tell his players, stay on our time. He goes, we're playing at noon. They're playing at 11. Well, we're playing at noon. And that kind of keeps your guys, like, if you wake up and have to eat eat at 7 o'clock, which is usually when they'll eat four hours before. All right, but now you're eating at 8 o'clock. That's fairly normal. But you eat at 7 o'clock, you feel tired. But you really aren't. So, so anyway, I don't think that'll be a big factor for Florida. I mean, there have been games out there where it was a factor. I've seen Florida lose some games out there, and certainly I've seen the goalposts come down in Oxford. And, and I'm working on a big uh, story on that for uh, the Sunday uh, of game week about Florida Ole Miss. Um, I think this, I think you're going to get a kick out of it. It's, there, there's some interesting things that have happened in this series, really mo- more interesting than you would think as little as they played. So anyway, the, I, I, I am, though, concerned about this game. First of all, it's Lane Kiffin, who I think is a really good offensive play caller. I think they're, they're – like if you're going on basically pure talent, okay, and you go, all right, let's start with Alabama's a 10, okay, I would say they're the only team that's a 10. I would say Georgia is probably a, a 9 – Florida like an 8.5, LSU probably an 8.5 just because of everything they've lost. Pure talent-wise, they might might actually be a 9 or a 9.5, but it's young talent. So, But then you get to other schools, and I would be put Ole Miss around the 4 spot. You know, Vandy's like a 1. Arkansas's a 1. Mississippi State's about a 3. I'd put Ole Miss around a four. They got it, but they've got enough talent. A four can we see all the time. Four can beat an eight point five. Four can beat a ten sometimes. Crazy gets crazy enough. Maybe and maybe Ole Miss is actually closer to a five. They've got some really good players. The thing is, they aren't there on defense. And, and you know, so when I when I start thinking about this game, and if you remember last year. On these podcasts, when Robbie and I did the Swampcast, I was the guy who was always worried. I was worried about the Tennessee game. I looked at those receivers. Man, they had great receivers. I was worried about it. But in all but two of those games, there was nothing to worry about, it turned out. Didn't mean the games weren't close. Some of the games were. South Carolina, good example. But, um, you know, I think – I worry too much about games, and that's why you probably listen to me and you go, don't worry about it. If Dooley's worried, it's just because that's his nature and because he's been around too much, been seen too many games, seen so many times when, oh, yeah, they'll win this game easy. Nothing bothers me more when you're playing a conference game, okay? Then somebody comes up to me and says, oh, Florida, don't worry about Florida this week. They'll be fine. They'll, they'll blow them out. Oh God! Don't I don't want to hear that. I just think it. There, 
there are few exceptions when you're you can relax as a fan. And you can relax if you're trying to pick the game like I do. But in this case, I think Ole Miss could give Florida a hard time. The thing that I like the most about Florida in this game is that I think they'll be prepared. Now, even though they went through so much, and again, this goes back to what we're seeing in some of these other games. And I know, again, the level of play is not same as you see in the SEC. But what we see in some of these games is teams that don't look like they totally bought into the preparation. That's what I see. Like BYU, you could tell did. And their coaches, that's the way he is. Um, some of these other teams, though, you look at them and you go, man, did you guys even go look at your playbook? And that's that's natural. You got a law in your mind if you're a college football player right now. Students are back in school. You don't you're you're having to call your girlfriend and say, "Look, I can't hang out with you and your friends. No matter how good looking you are. I can't do it. I don't want to do it." So I think but I think Florida fans, I'm not saying you should be worried about this opening game, but I think you're going to know a lot about your team after this opening game. Obviously, look, we know. Texas A&M coming up. LSU coming up. Georgia's a big one, obviously. But you're going to know, okay, this team's they, – they're ready to go. Or they're not. Or they've let the hype maybe get to them a little bit. Or they um, aren't as good as maybe we thought they were. You know, we keep hearing how Kyle Trask lost weight, smooth, looks better, quicker with his feet. Let's see how it translates. You never know what what Lane Kiffin's going to throw at him. But you would like to think that Florida, and this will be the big indicator to me, will be able to run the ball. Why would they be able to run the ball? Last year they couldn't run the ball, right? Florida was way down the list in rushing. We all know that. That's no big surprise to anybody. If you watched any games, you knew Florida couldn't run the ball. Every once in a while, LaMichael P. Ryan would break one. And that's how special a talent he was. But they didn't run the ball. In a game like this, which should be – we talked about it before. Cole Kubelik was telling us how this may be the least physical season we've ever seen in the SEC. Yeah, but it's still more physical versus less physical should, should win out the day. So if I'm Florida, I'm trying to be physical. I'm trying to show Ole Miss whenever we want a first down. When it's third and two, we can run for a first down. We don't have to throw it. And so we'll see how those kind of things happen. Those are the kind of things I'll be looking for. You know, Does Florida get the run game going? Does Florida have um, the ability to impose its will on a team that it's better than? No matter where it is. Again, you're not playing in front of a bunch of crazed fans like it was last time I was there, especially the other time with Zook. I almost got hit by a goalpost. That was scary. Um, all right, so uh, – but again, we're just kind of going what the coaches tell us and, you know, we can't watch practice. So, I, I, I wish I could tell you more. Um, I just know what – that everything coming out of there sounds really good. 
And that's not always the case. Sometimes you will you will hear from uh, uh, people on a team. It could be their coaches. It could be players. And they may say, yeah, yeah, these guys are all doing – yeah, we're, we're a little thin here or we're not we, – we still got a, a – it's a good thing we have a lot of time to practice. We couldn't beat anybody today, you know, that kind of thing. You know, hearing that from Florida, you know, it's a very upbeat staff anyway, and I think they're very upbeat about where they're going, where they're heading. All right, we uh, we do need to take a break and and bring in uh, Scott Strickland, the athletic director at the University of Florida. We'll talk to him about everything that he's been dealing with. I'm sorry, we're going to talk about coronavirus. You have no choice. I mean, there's a lot of things that are going on, so people get mad, and I can't do anything about it. All right, you're listening to the Duly Noted Podcast at Gatorsports.com. All right, welcome back to the Duly Noted Podcast. Always great to talk to our next guest, Scott Strickland, of course, the athletic director at the University of Florida. And, I mean, I imagine every day you wake up, it's just what – what today? What do we have to do deal with today? Because there's always something uh, going on. Uh, well, Pat, it's actually kind of you know let's let's make sure we're just taking one step in front of the other, and and um, you know our our staff has done a phenomenal job at putting a plan in place to create a healthy environment for our student athletes to be back on campus and for our staff. And um, it's you know what do, is the plan going to work today? Do we need to make adjustments? What, what can we anticipate? Um, you know, it's, it's certainly not a quote-unquote normal time. I'm not sure the term normal is, is appropriate anymore, but it's, it's unique circumstances, and, and you know, there's no, um, there's no guideline there for this. So we're, we're, we're kind of uh, figuring out as we go along with the help of uh, the staff I mentioned, also the incredible people at UF Health who have been unbelievable partners feel like we've gotten access to many of their best and brightest people who really understand uh, the health implications of what what we're dealing with and and the steps you know we need to take to mitigate it and to make sure we're creating that healthy environment but it's a uh, unique time uh, but it's also you know it can also be a really special time I told our staff here recently that uh, we get through the other side of, of this when we are back to uh, you know more normal times uh, I think there's an opportunity for for uh, the Gators to have a sense of pride for, for how we manage the, uh, this, but uh, a lot of that's going to be determined by what happens in the weeks and months ahead. Yeah, and I would think that uh, you're, you have a little sense of pride in the athletes, uh, student-athletes who you know, seem to have taken this seriously. Now, we, we have to wait until the students are fully in, in, in ingratiated with the, uh, the student-athletes on campus and everything, and uh, after going through Labor Day, well, I will see what it shows up. But, you know, it was pretty impressive to me that, you know, once the coaches said, hey, here's what you've got to do, that they, they bought into it. Yeah, our, you know, we, what we're finding is uh, every group that we that we brought onto campus, there's an initial um, – uh, situation where kind of old habits kick in, and by old habits I mean they 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 you know they're back on back in Gainesville, back on our campus, and and they try to go back to their past behaviors. And um, whether it was in June when when we had our first set of athletes coming back, or July when different groups started coming in, um, you see a little uh, a rise in cases. But invariably, a couple weeks after that, they you know they they uh, adjust behavior. 
and those numbers come down. And, and uh, we've, we've seen a lot of successes in those areas. But, you know, we've, we have here in the last week or two brought back all of our athletes. And so athletes who haven't been here for the summer, a lot of them spring sport or winter sport athletes. And uh, that combined with the rest of campus coming back and Labor Day weekend, as you, as you mentioned, we're going to have some, some cases rise in September. I don't think there's any question. All the epidemiologists, all the infectious disease experts at UF Health that we talk to, um, they, you know, we, we expect that to happen. Um, but we have a plan for it. And, you know, again, we, we feel like we can, um, um, the plan is going to allow us to keep everyone as safe as possible and, and then to weather it. And, and uh, we just, you know, keep our cool, trust our plan, uh, trust the, the medical professionals who have helped put it together. And, uh, and again, hopefully over time the, uh, the behavior modifies to the point that allows us to, to mitigate this to the best extent possible. Uh, obviously, Scott, the Big 12 came out with a cutoff number. Uh, do you think the SEC is going to head towards a, a number similar to that before um, the season starts? Uh, there's been conversation. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if, if there's uh, some kind of expectation of, of um, you know, how many uh, healthy individuals need to be available. And, and uh, you know, I, I think it's important when you're considering that, you, you not only look at those individuals who – either are uh, positive with COVID or maybe are quarantined because they've been exposed to COVID. Um, but also just, you know, football is a sport that, that yeah, you do have some, some normal attrition from an injury standpoint. And so we got to sure. make sure that that's factored in as well. So my sense is there'll be some kind of understanding of what um, teams will, will have to be able to have, um, you know, suit up to, to go play a game in, uh, in a healthy manner. You weren't uh, when they announced that they weren't going to have a, a national champion for volleyball and and uh, soccer. You were like, "Well, that's what we play for us championships." But what kind of changed your feeling about going ahead and having a little short season, even though it's not going to really crown a, uh, a national champion? Well, you know, the I think the the good thing the SEC did is there were a lot of schools that did want to go ahead and have some competition for fall sports, such as soccer and volleyball whose championships got pushed in the spring um and so we're able to do that but but they're also going to have some regular season competition in the spring as well so it's going to be a hybrid uh not a, you know totally unlike what basketball normally has where part of their season is in the fall semester and part of their season is in the spring semester so those sports will still have competition leading up to the the national championship in the spring which i think is is really important um you know football doesn't really fall in that situation because their championship hasn't moved it's they right. where the cfp semifinals are on new year's day um but for the for all those other championships who's who's all those other sports whose championships have moved to the spring we're gonna have some fall competition but they're also gonna have spring competition leading up to their postseason can you see that becoming kind of a norm because a lot of people believe that both volleyball and soccer kind of get shoved to the side in the south especially with uh, foot when it's football season um, you know, I, I understand that, that uh, sentiment. I, I don't see that happening. And, and I would say for anyone who's ever been uh, to one of the Gator home soccer or volleyball matches, um, you know, our people are pretty engaged, and, and we have a pretty good following for both of those teams. And, and uh, I, I'd be surprised sure. if that becomes a long-term move. What um, what goes in, went into the thinking of uh, the 20%, the 17,000 or 14,000, 
that will be allowed. And, and are you, uh, as you're trying to figure out which ones are going to be given tickets or being allowed to, to have tickets, I'm sure you get some people that are saying, I'm good. I, I, you know, I don't, you can go ahead and pass it along. Does it, I would imagine it gets passed down to the next person with the most points or the most. Um, yeah, the priority system will come into play there. And, and really the, the determination of what that capacity needs to look like, again, goes back to uh, guidance from UF Health and, and doing a strict social distance, six foot uh, separation between uh, groups uh, sitting in the bowl. That's, that's kind of what, uh, what the, the numbers lead you to. So that's how we ended up at the capacity number that we that we that we announced and uh, and then the, the the ticket priority and you're right there's some people with high priority who have already indicated that uh, they're they're probably going to wait and come back um uh the following year and, and at the same time i know there's some people with high priority that that do want to take advantage of this and but i do think there'll be a lot of opportunity five home games five sec home games the most uh, it's, it's unusual in this year when everything's being scaled back it's more home SEC games and what the Gators have ever had before and so there's there's something um, that's that's certainly appealing to, to fans and, and uh, I know our players are excited about that as well. Scott, do you think we could see a situation where we get to I don't know, mid-November and uh, things have calmed down enough that we go okay, let's try a bigger percentage of people in there. Let's try some tailgating or do you think the way it's set up right now is that's the way it's going to be, and and it may, if if anything would go the other way to to having an empty stadium like we saw last night with uh, with Navy and BYU. You know, I, I don't have a sense, and, and one of the things that that's pretty obvious as we've gone through the last several months is it's, it's hard to predict and it's hard to uh, to forecast what's going to happen two three months down the road. Um, we believe that. Um, we can keep our athletes safe in a structured environment where they're playing sports. Uh, one of the things that, that, that I've heard mentioned by one of the pro leagues is that um, to, to the best of their knowledge and looking across all the other, all the different sports that have been played up to this point, there's no known transmission of the virus through athletic competition. And, and so that doesn't mean, doesn't mean it hasn't happened, but just no one can identify a case, an instance where that was the case. So, um, you know, we feel like we have an opportunity to keep our athletes safe, and, and we wouldn't uh, be welcoming fans to come in spread out, socially distant in an outdoor venue if we didn't think that was uh, also safe and, and we didn't have a plan for that. But um, what it's going to look like too much from now, um, it, it's hard to say. Hope You know, we're all hopeful that over time um, we will be able to introduce more people into our environment. I don't know if that's going to be this fall or if it'll be – uh, later in the spring, uh, heck, it may you know be a whole year from now. But um, that's that's the hope. At some point, we'll get there. I just you know I'm not trying to put a timetable right. at this point on on when that might be. Of course, the SEC has a rule now that you if you're at the game, you've got to be wearing a mask unless you're taking a bite of a hot dog. I mean that that's that's going to be an interesting thing to see if there are qualified mask police that that have to go up <laughs> to people and tell them, look, you got to keep that mask on. Or we're gonna to have to let pull you out of this. Uh, you know, we used to see ejections for obviously for people being publicly drunk or starting fights, and now it's it would be just for not wearing your mask. Well, you know, there's there's uh, there's a shared responsibility aspect that that we're all gonna to have to to have, and and you know, we're going to uh, I'm, I'm walking down the hall at the office here. I'm wearing a mask. 
I don't know if I'm going to see anybody or not, but I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, make sure I'm being responsible in case I do. Uh, I, I, I think we all need to, you know, spectators and fans and everyone else, coaches on the sideline. We understand this is part of this time and place that we're going in, going through, and we've got to be willing to, to do something that may not be uh, preferable in order to, to let us have the opportunity and, and to keep ourselves and others around us as safe as possible. And, you know, the interesting thing is, as I know you know, Pat, from, from uh, seeing some of the, the, the articles that have come out uh, about the history, but this won't be the first time that masks have been worn at college football games. You know, during the Spanish flu of 1918, uh, you know, you see images of, of fans in the stands wearing masks at, at those events as well. So it won't be anything new. We won't be the first people to have to do this, the first generation. My guess is the masks are more comfortable now than what they were 100 years ago. <laughs> um, I know I know, we're not going to make people wear ties and, and suits like they used to wear in, uh, when they went to football games. So they're going to be much more comfortable, but... Um, it's something we we're going to need to do. I I did not cover any games during that. You may you may have thought, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I I didn't cover. You know, I was thinking about this today. University of Florida has gone two years without winning the All Sports Trophy. Think about that. That that that'll get in your crawl. That'll make you want to compete because you guys didn't. Yeah, win that's two the years technicality ago. though. It we were, we, were, we were running away with it before COVID. It took I the know virus. that is that is what's sad is you guys were running away with it to to get back into that. But uh, hopefully we'll be able to have one for uh, for this uh, you know obviously fall spring uh, semester and get get that one going because we love giving it away. Um, but hey, we appreciate your time. Scott Strickland, the athletic director of the University of Florida. We'll be right back with more of the Duly Noted Podcast at Gatorsports.com. The Duly Noted Podcast is brought to you by Vistar Credit Union. We never forget that it's your money. And ABC Fine Wine and Spirits. Always be celebrating. Okay, really want to thank Scott for coming on. Great guy and um, uh, doing the best he can, you know. Um, He's really – it's been rough, I'm sure, for him and, uh, you know, just trying to manage this. You know, the one question I didn't get to and I, I totally forgot to ask him is we're seeing everybody – we're seeing at Texas, the richest school in the country, where they got more money than God, and they uh, had to cut people. They had to cut jobs. They didn't fill vacant jobs. Florida so far seems to be avoiding that. Um, and I don't know if if they're if they've done a better job of managing their money. Maybe they've done made some cutbacks that we don't know about. But look, obviously, you, you're not going to have the same budget for soccer or volleyball this fall that you normally would have. Um, I'm sure recruiting budgets have, have they've saved money there. There's places where I'm sure they've saved money, but still, um, we don't know what the ramifications are going to be. I would I would assume that the that the the TV money is going to be pretty good, okay? Because you're giving them ten SEC games, and believe me, that's why you're giving them ten SEC games. It's not because you want to keep everything. And it is part of it. You want to keep everything in house. You want to keep um, test on test. I guess you would say uh, we test the same way you test, so we all want to play each other. That is a factor. But I think more than anything, it's, you know, if we give you 10 SEC games, we have given you incredible inventory for your advertisers. And then we expect to get, I don't know if it's the same amount you normally would get from ESPN and ABC and and uh, obviously the SEC Network or not, 
but it's going to be a lot of money. Uh, you're not going to make very much money in ticket revenue, but you'll make some. Uh, the, the goal is to cut your losses as much as you can and then cut back and try not to have to cut people. And we'll see where Florida goes with that. Meanwhile, look, the one thing that we all knew when this season started, right, was that every coach's job was safe. As I said earlier, you would have to get caught in a crack den to get fired as a head football coach. With all, nobody wants to pay buyouts. Nobody wants to pay, um, you know, pay you not to coach and then have to go hire somebody. And yet, the first week goes by, a coach loses and loses his job. Jay Hobson at, at Southern Miss. And he'd been there a while, went to a bowl last year, went to a bowl three or five years. I, I Look, I don't know. I'm not going to even say there has to be more to it because um, that's not fair to him. But I just don't I don't grasp it. You, ha- you played like crap. Yeah, no doubt. You lost to South Alabama. Watched some of that game. It was, wasn't the greatest game in the world, but it was something to watch. But maybe... Maybe it's not going to be like, especially if your salary and your buyout's not that big. I don't know what his is, and I'm sure we're going to see those numbers come out. But man, that seemed like uh, it seemed like a lack of patience. But there had to there had to be something. It could be that something was going wrong with Southern Miss, and that's why he, he said I have to get out of here. So we'll find out. Well, hopefully, we'll find out more about it. But we are one week in. One coach goes down. I, I, I'm stunned by that. Absolutely stunned. Um, all right, let's get to the spreads. And there aren't a whole lot to talk about this week, but with the ACC playing, we have some. Of course, Thursday night, Miami is playing UAB. Miami is a 12-point favorite, um, which seems about right. My gut is Miami's either going to win big or lose. <laughs> You know, I don't think Miami's winning a six-point game. So I, I don't know if that means if, if I was gambling, I'd take Miami in the, and, and, and give the 12 points because I don't trust Miami. Do you trust Miami? No, I don't trust them. Look, these are still many of the same guys that lost to FIU last year, lost in that – they got shut out in their bowl game. And I know they got a new quarterback, and he's going to bring all this stuff to him. And he may be great. And after the game, look, I, as I said when I when we had to redo our polls with all the teams that were eliminated from it because of their, they they opted out on the season, um, I, I probably was going to stick Miami in my top twenty-five. Well, if they look good in this game, there's no question I'm going to put them in my top twenty-five. So that'll be an interesting game. I am looking forward to it. Um, Notre Dame. 20 and a half over Duke. My my gut instinct is Duke will find a way to cover. You know, J- Duke just hangs in there with you, and, and Cutcliffe is such a good coach. I think Notre Dame's pretty good, though. But I, I do think that the – like, in the fall – I'm sorry, in the, in the summer, the Notre Dame hype wasn't there. But we all kind of looked at Notre Dame. And, of course, when they joined the ACC for the one-year trial run uh, and, and we saw their schedule, we kind of liked um, who they were playing you know, versus who they usually play. 
but I thought their schedule toughened up a little bit. But there wasn't a ton of Notre Dame hype. It seems like it's growing, though. With every passing day, it's getting more and more Notre Dame's getting hyped up. People have them in the playoffs. I saw, I think it was the CBS Sports thing. They, I think three of the four guys had Notre Dame in the playoff. Playoff? So, nah, I, I'm not going to go that far. Uh, FSU is an 11-and-a-half-point favorite over Georgia Tech. Look, I couldn't name one player on Georgia Tech, and that's my bad. I've been focusing on some other stuff, mostly SEC stuff. Georgia Tech with Jeff Collins uh, get you know got away from the uh, option football. FSU, I like I, I'm not a James Blackman fan. I don't think he's very good, but um, I think Norvell knows what he's doing offensively. My gut is that they will cover that pretty easily. So I'm going to take those. I'm going to take I'm going to take Miami covering. I'm going to take. Duke covering, and I'm going to take FSU covering. Those are going to be my three hot picks for this week. The other game, uh, ACC game I looked at was Wake Forest is getting 31.5 against Clemson. I don't know if um, my impression I was given was that game day is going to be in in Winston-Salem. Well, you know, no fans and everything, but they were going to be there, socially distance and do all that and do the game from there from the – from uh, Winston-Salem. I don't know if you've ever been to Winston-Salem, but I don't think there are any fans there. Um, no, just kidding. I'm sorry. That's not nice to say that. But I was there for one time for basketball. Uh, it was the Mike Miller game and everything. And it was the weirdest town. It was the weirdest place. It was beautiful. Just didn't seem like anybody lived there. I, I, I joked that it was like a neutron bomb had hit. Left all the buildings, killed all the people. There was I, I, you, would, you would go for long walks and never see anybody. I'm sure it's built up since then but I'm, I would stay away from that first game of the year you know a couple turnovers they're going to be excited blah 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 nah I, I, and that's the thing if Wake Forest if this if it was going to be a capacity crowd at Wake Forest I'm not saying they could beat Clemson but you would say hey puncher's chance to make things interesting just to at least keep it a game for a quarter or maybe a half but with no fans behind you, in fact, Wake is, I think I'm right on this, no fans are allowed in, for their games. Interesting. All right, let's, uh, let's get to three things, the most exciting three things in sports right now. It's time for three things. Number one. Let's talk about Dustin Johnson, who uh, has got a pretty good life. <laughs> right now, he's the best golfer in the world. There's not much question about it. He is a new Tiger, not in the same Tiger fashion of winning majors, and he that's something he's still got to kind of do. Um, but he's not going away. I think getting a week off before U.S. Open is going to help him. Um but winning the tour championship, the way he's a new Tiger is he's making golf no fun to watch. And by he's just you, like he gets a lead and he's just not going to let it go now. Used to be you always worried, you know, not worried, but you thought he was going south. 
Now, this is a short little run here that he's on. Don't forget, this was a guy that a couple weeks ago, no, months ago, shot an 80 at the Memorial and, and couldn't find his game. I thought it was really interesting what Justin Thomas said. He said, man, he was just a mess. And now here he is. He's playing golf at a level that is Tiger-ish. By the way, and I just, I'm throwing this out there. I watched this movie, I've seen it a hundred times. Okay, I like this movie. I love golf movies. One of my favorite movies is um, The Greatest Game Ever Played. Bill Paxson directed it, really did a good job. Shia LaBeouf, or LaBeouf, whatever he's, how you pronounce his name, is uh, in it and really good in it. it. It's a great movie. But I watched another one that I watch a lot, Legend of Bagger Vance. And it doesn't get great ratings. It doesn't get great uh, reviews and everything. Every time I look at the Rotten Tomatoes and everything, I, I happen to really like it. I think, Walt, I think Will Smith is unbelievable in it. But last night I, I was watching it, and you know Walter Hagen is one of the guys that plays with Bobby Jones and this uh, this kid from Savannah, Juna. So um, I don't know that much about Walter Hagen, so I went and looked. Man, what a career he had! What a guy he was. Walter Hagen, like a lot of the guys who the Palmers, like everybody will say. Um, for a lot of years, you said. Thank Arnold Palmer for the money we're making on tour. If you were if you were a guy playing in the seventies and eighties, then you got if you're playing in the two thousands, you're going thank Tiger Woods for for the money we're making. But when you were playing back in the even older days, when when you were Palmer coming up as a young guy, it was thank Walter Hagen for how much we're making because he made golf fashionable. He was a, he was a character, but he won. He won the third most majors of anybody, 11 majors. And I don't think people realize how great a golfer. I didn't realize how great a golfer he was. I had to go look it up, and I was just curious. Anyway, that's my golf lesson for the day. Uh, number two, the NBA playoffs are going on, and, and I'm, I, I've, kind of, I've kind of let them go a little bit. It was fun when they were playing four games a day, and Billy was in it and everything, but – I'll watch a little bit, but there seems to be a lot more blowouts. I don't know. But I'm watching. But I'm so excited about the NFL starting. Um, I did avoid getting into a fantasy league. Um, it's something I didn't, want to, I didn't want to get in a fantasy league, but I was very tempted because of what we're all dealing with. And I didn't do it. And, and the reason – and it's just a personal thing because if I get in a fantasy league, all I'll care about is winning – the fantasy league and not who's winning the games. And I would be watching games when I was in fantasy football, you know, four, five, six, seven years ago. And I would be hoping that a guy going for a touchdown would fall on the one yard line. So my guy could score. I, I just want to watch the game for what it is. And this could be the most, really the most interesting season we've ever seen, even without fans, even without big numbers of fans. When you, when you've got this situation with Brady and Tampa Bay, uh, I'm 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 a I've kind of taken the Seahawks are my team this year. They've always kind of been my team. Like I like Pete Carroll. I like the way their crowd is like a college crowd. I love Russell Wilson. I like their colors. I actually bought a pair of Seahawks shorts the other day. So I, the Seahawks are my team. I'm a, I'm a, adopting them for the year. Okay, I don't know that they're going to win it all, but that's who I've got. But when you look at with Joe Burrow 
It's going to start opening day for Cincinnati. I can't wait to watch that game and see how he does. Uh, Tua's not going to start, but he'll be in there soon enough. I want to see how he does. I mean, there and there's all these Gator wide receivers. Three guys get drafted. They all three made the rosters. In fact, uh, I think the fourth got a contract with a practice squad. Good for them. Those guys, I love those guys. Van Jefferson is one of my favorite players to ever come through here. So I think this college or this NFL season, well, the college season may not be the most fun we've ever be- dealt with. It'll be different. We all know that. It's not going to be the same. It's not going to be uh, one game a year. Um, all our friends come in and they have, and we have a great weekend and they, we all go to the game. We all tailgate like crazy. That, that stuff isn't going to happen. But the NFL, just watching the NFL, I think it's going to be the most interesting season we've ever seen. And I, I can't wait for it. And it starts Thursday night. And number three, <laughs> I have to reevaluate my cable. The bill's really high, as you know. If you if you've got all these channels, million channels, and we've needed it to get through uh, the last three months. But when you get to the point where you have two movies you really like, and they're on so much, you can't help but stop on them. And then you kind of now are at the point where you don't want to see them. And in this case, it's Yesterday, which I love Yesterday, and Bohemian Rhapsody. And I see them on, and I go, Ugh, again? Are they on every day, twice a day? That, and how many Godzilla movies can you make? They're all the same. The same thing happens at the end. Godzilla wins. I love Godzilla. When I was young, when I was a high school kid, people made fun of me for how much I love Godzilla. I had a better chance of getting a date with Godzilla than with the good-looking girls in high school. I love Godzilla. But, man... How many Godzilla movies can you make? So I'm going to reevaluate my cable watching, or at least maybe try to get that bill down to normal. Anyway, that's just silly, me being silly. And I hope I didn't offend anybody today. That's going to do it for the Duly Noted Podcast. Thank you for helping me get through it. Thanks so much to Scott Strickland for doing a great job. Thanks for Brad, Brad McClenney for setting it up and doing all the hard work on it. And we'll be back with another one next Tuesday. I guess next Tuesday... It'll be great because I'll have games to talk about that involve Power 5 teams. Ooh, that, that might be kind of fun. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to that next Tuesday. Yeah, be right here at Gatorsports.com. Until then, I'm Pat Dooley, the sports columnist of the Gainesville Sun, saying I am deep, I am way back, and I am out of here. The Duly Noted Podcast is brought to you by Vistar Credit Union. We never forget that it's your money. And ABC Fine Wine and Spirits. Always be celebrating. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.